attack the zone, uh, try and get some weak contact, and just try and get some quick innings so that offense can get back out there and go score some runs. Uh, I'm going out there every game like it's, it's the World Series, you know, so yeah, just, just being able to kind of stay within myself, attack the zone, and I'm just trying to give the team the best chance that I can. They caught us off guard. Why don't you tell me that we're on at 10 o'clock today, Barker? I forgot. How you doing, Jeff? Is this Happy Friday for us? It, it is Happy it Friday. Is I'm happy just Friday trying to for figure us. out what's happening. Even though it's not the, Friday. Uh, yeah, it is Happy Friday for us because we're not here tomorrow. Seriously, you need to get off your wall at one time because you look ridiculous. Like, we are on TV, and and you wear, like, the biggest headphones, and the cord is, like, all over the place, and, well, and it chokes you, and you can't turn your head, and... Uh, it's all good. Like, I need you to be free and easy over here. It's all good. I'm just trying to figure out where the uh, plug is. Anyhow. Unbelievable. Hey, if you think that's unbelievable, <laughs> you say Kikuchi's pitching tonight against the Tampa <laughs> see, Bay Rays. See what I did there? It was good. You teed it up. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Rays are in town for the first of five games Ooh, what against could go the wrong? Toronto Blue Jays tonight at the Rogers Center. You say Kikuchi, as I mentioned, will get the start. For the Blue Jays, uh, despite, the, I was going to say, despite the the hopes of just about everybody in Blue Jays Nation. Uh, he will be making a start after the Jays lost last night in the final game of that three-game series against Boston. Extra innings, had a chance to sweep the Red Sox. Couldn't come through with the big hit in extra innings. Uh, got another... It's a more shaky relief pitching. Look, th- this... That's a nice way to say it. David Phelps, I David Phelps didn't have it last night. I mean, that happens. You, there, there are nights where a guy just doesn't have it, and that's what happened last night. The only issue, the only issue when, when when one of your older guys who have been there and done it a lot of times doesn't have it, and then you have to bring in Tim Mesa who hasn't had it for however many times he's not had it. Then it just sort of piles on top of each other, and it just puts a giant spot spotlight on exactly what you need. And we've talked about this till we're just blue in the face here. And until you actually, you know, it's very hard to come on here occasionally because a lot of fans want to be hard on Charlie for the for the arms that he brings in, and we're going to do that occasionally because that's what we do. And and you know, like, like the David Phelps using Trent Thornton in the seventh inning when. You use David Phelps with a 7 nothing lead in the game before when you just use Trent Thornton then. We're going to do that. But a lot of the times it is they got what they got. And right now what they got consistently is just – it's hard, Jeff. Like you you watch that and you you watch Pete, Pete Walker and John Snyder and Charlie Montoyo during a game when – you got your horse on the mound. Well, they, you basically know what he's going to give you most of the time. And then you start th- seeing about that sixth inning. It just looks like there's so much chaos. <laughs> they just don't have any idea where they're going. And it's – you sort of feel for them. Like it's – it's for a contending team, the Blue Jays wanting to hoist the, the trophy at the end of the season and for a coaching staff to have to try and figure it out the way they're trying to figure it out. It's, it's, it's a lot to ask them. It really is. Yeah, and and here we go. Um, Jordan Romano has pitched back-to-back nights. Uh, David Phelps pitched yesterday. Adam Simbers pitched back-to-back nights. And you got a guy in the mound who, let's face it, if you get four innings out of Yusei Kikuchi today, it's probably going to be considered a success. 
Kevin, how, how did the uh, we'll, we'll look back at last night's game a little bit further, but obviously you say Kikuchi's the story. Uh, he, he, he's the story today. Uh, a lot of people didn't think he'd be making this start. Some of us thought he'd be in the bullpen. Some of us thought that they may, I, I don't know what, with him. But I really wonder if, if there wasn't a doubleheader coming up on Saturday. I really wonder if you say Kikuchi would still I'm be not, making I'm this start. I'm not shocked. I, I said that. The, the, you did? The, when, the G, when the GM has has sort of went to bat for a guy and give a guy three for 36, quite frankly, probably other teams weren't going to give him. You're not taking him out of the rotation after 14 starts. I, just listen to Ross talk in the scrum. No, Ross and is pretty clear he, he yesterday. Went to, he, went to, he went to bat for yeah. Yusei Kikuchi, and there's a reason why that is. He don't want to – you know, there's certain times and seasons that you don't really want to look bad. And for me, this big picture thing, how do you get him back on track? That's the big question. Forget, forget about where you're going to use him or where you want to throw him in a bullpen. You want to forget about it. He's starting now. So, so how do you do it? If you dig into his numbers a little bit, we talk about this. Whenever we do Blue Jays talking, the first, very first thing out of your mouth is strike one. How many batters did he face? How many times did he throw strike one? That is the thing that you sort of hone in on. 55% of the time, I think, what it is when you say Kikuchi, that's not good enough. No. It's just really not. It needs to be somewhere around that 60% mark for a guy to at, – at, his caliber's got good stuff. His stuff is not a question here. It's just can he pitch ahead, not abuse the slider, and the split finger. Batters are hitting like a buck thirty-two off his split finger. He calls it a change. I call it a split finger. Whatever you want to call it, throw that maybe more. Throw strike one more. Maybe that'll be the thing that they try and do. Not overthrow. Not try and do too much. Man, I am. I'm circling the wagons here, aren't I? A little bit. But if he can do those things a little bit more. Because I, I'll tell you this: if I'm Charlie, I'm not taking him out with 69 pitches. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't really care how we it looks. Said, we said he ain't coming in, out in 69. We pitches. said this in Blue Jays talk yesterday. It, it, you say Kikuchi. I, if I'm Charlie, he's throwing 100 to 110 pitches tonight. And as I said, if it's 14-1 when he comes out, I'm going to say, well, could be worse. Could have been 15-1. Mm. I, that's that's really where I am first, with this first, guy. First that's game, really where I am with first this guy. game of a five-game series in four days. You know, you, again, you listen to Kevin Gossman talk about how important it was with the Red Sox for him to have a good start because it sort of lines up everything, makes it easier for the coaches, makes it easier for the highest leverage Sets guys that you don't have in the bullpen with the guys that you do have to sort of set them up to the innings that you want them to pitch in, all the things, how, how big that matters. It may not be performance-driven. It may be pitch-driven tonight. How's that? <laughs> it's like... Here it is, buddy. Like you got a hundred, you're throwing a hundred. I'll tell you what. Pitches. Fourteen games, fourteen starts. Kikuchi's uh, made. Yeah. So this will be his fifteenth. Yeah, well, yeah. That's awfully early. Make sure. In your, in the lifetime of a multi-year contract you signed with a new team to be facing a start that is either going to turn the fan base even more against you than it is now. Or give you another give you another chance. I I, I think Joe Siddle made it made the point. You say Kikuchi right now. He's 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 pitching to make his next start. I'm not real sure that's and, fair. I'm not real sure uh, that's fair no, to you say Kikuchi because it's not his fault that Ross gave him no, and the no, Toronto no, Blue Jays no, gave the, him no, three but, for thirty six. Yeah, yeah, it's but, not his fault. No, but the point is he's a number five guy on, a, the on a decent is, team. The point is he's pitch, he's pitching to make his next start. If Maybe. he if he has another if he if he hangs around for two and a third tonight or three innings tonight um, against the Rays, 
I, I just think that's that's where we are. And, mm. you know, the Toronto fans, for whatever reason, Toronto fans seem to be slow to jump on a pitcher. They'll jump on a, they'll jump on a hitter. But they seem to have a, a lot of length with a lot of starting pitchers in this city. Um, but I just, you know, I think this year is different because of what Alec Manoa has done, because of the Kevin Gossman coming in here, even because of Barrios, Ross Stripling, what he's given the team, there's a real sense that Yusei Kikuchi has let the team down. And there's a real, I, I think there's a real sense if he doesn't have a good start tonight. Um, Ken, you're right. You've got him for three years. And I hesitate to say it's all or nothing with Yusei Kikuchi tonight. But another bad start. And it's... There's going to have to be more explaining to be done. That's there, 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 there will have to be, and and not just, and who cares what we think, or frankly, who cares what the fans think? I got to think there's some guys in the clubhouse there that are going to be saying, you know, come on. It's the Red Sox. It's the Rays. Uh, this is, the, these are, these are important games. And we're running out a guy who's non-competitive. It, that's the thing. It, he's non-competitive. It, it's... You know, you could take a guy, a guy like Ross Stripling goes out there, and sometimes he's going get to get his ass handed to him. But at no point do you look at Ross Stripling and go, God, man, it wasn't competitive tonight. Mm-hmm. No, he just got hit. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what really, I, I think, really, really bothers me about Kikuchi. This is, we've also talked about how the team plays behind him. He, he is like a wet blanket when he is on the mound. It, you look at the body language, it's like, you got guys pawing at the ground. You know, you got guys checking out the stands. You got guys standing with their hands in their hips. Watch the outfielders. Watch the stretching they do in the first inning tonight if you say he's working through one of those 34 pitch specials. You, he, he just sucks the life out of it. You're sure not making reservations for dinner when he, when he starts because you have no idea when to make it. Like it could be a seven-hour game because of how long his Any. his innings take. Oh, it'd be interesting. I I know if if I'm Pete Walker, which he is a very good pitching coach, I know he's going to try and simplify it as much as possible. Don't overthink it. And and I do think we've seen the last couple of starts of the catcher for me anyway trying to do too much. It, it's it's like some guys like Kevin Gosman in his last start. You could tell Kirk give the target in one spot and one in another spot. Mm-hmm. You say Coochie's not good enough to do that. Give him a big target. Do it early. Who cares if they know what's coming? If he locates his heater because it's got good velocity to it, now that's the one thing that scares me a little bit. That'll tell you why mechanics and the brake, getting it out of the glove mm-hmm. and getting it up to the release point's not very good because the mile per hour in his heater is all over the place. Like yeah, one it's, time it's 91, it's 93, and it's then that's the question that I have. Well, why is whenever we saw him in the first half, because the dead arm thing, that sounds like an excuse. You can't have dead arm for a year and a half. Like, yeah. that's impossible. So it's just maybe you just simplify it enough that you give him a big target, give it to him early, do it with some aggression, say we're on the same page here, we got, we got confidence that you can locate this and let his stuff take over. And if they do that and just concentrate and make it simple, maybe you'll have a better start. Jay's the last 10 of his starts, Oof. five of his last seven. His June ERA is 939. Um the last game he started against the Brewers, he had a 40-pitch first inning, 12 of them to Willie Adamas before Adamas walked. Uh, fastball command, 15 of 37 for strikes. Uh, his fastball velo was down uh, from a season average. His breaking ball velo was down 
but three, almost three miles. Well, he's aiming it. You can tell that he's aiming. He's guiding it. Uh, he wants to more throw it for strikes, and he does because they want that somewhere between eighty six to eighty eight miles an hour. Yes. Like that, that will tell you that it's tunneling longer. It has later break to it. <clears throat> it's in the strike zone, out of the strike zone. They want it more for a swing and miss than they do for strike one. That's what I said. Maybe you don't abuse that as much. Maybe you throw the split thing, the split change, however he wants to call it. You throw that more, but you establish heater early. You, you go in and out with that. Maybe elevated. If he can do that, he can get in a mechanic sound. Early start with some confidence. Throwing strike one. I'm a I'm a glass half full guy, Jeff. But boy, those stats you just read off. That doesn't lose confidence, does it? No, I'm 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 a glass has been spilt and someone <laughs> stepped on it, guy. When it comes to you say Kikuchi. Dan Schulman joins us at eleven oh five. This is gonna be a lot yeah. of fun. Eleven thirty. Sergio Romo. Yeah. Blue Jays relief pitcher. So I can guarantee you we won't be having Barker's back leg bits at eleven forty five. I can guarantee you that. Sergio likes to talk. Sergio's which is, which is great. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's Sergio's. a fifteen-year veteran. He's won three World Series. Yeah, you, you give him all the ro- all the, the rope he wants, and he can talk as much as he uh, wants to talk. And and he he's he pitched on a Giants team that I would I got the cover a little bit during the postseason. Mm-hmm. I've told people, you know, you get this thing where as a visiting writer, you cover a team, and you the end of the World Series, or whenever you're around them, you come away thinking, you know what, that was kind of that was kind of cool, that mm-hmm. was kind of fun, mm-hmm. enjoyed your time. I always enjoyed the time around those good Yankees teams because it was just so professional. The the Giants teams that he was on, man, were just uh, it, it was like character after character after character after character, and they were so. Well, much we're gonna fun see if he be can around. pitch because he's gonna pitch a lot the next. Well, four he days. was up, he was up twice three, yesterday, three, three times. times. Sorry, That's yesterday, a lot. and uh, he may he may get in. Today, and he, he has an interesting, let's just say that Sergio Romo knows where he is in his career and knows what is expected of him here. He's just happy to be a big leaguer, it yeah. sounds like. Uh, Alec Manoa last night, seven innings pitched. Oh, pitched. Oh, by the way, we'll have Peter Bendix, the senior VP of baseball ops and the general manager of my Tampa Bay Rays. He'll be along at 1030. Um, we're all going to wear khakis for the interview. I'm just kidding. And uh, we've got a pair of tickets to give away for the July 3rd game against the Tampa Bay Rays. That's the funniest thing you ever said. Last night, Alec Manoa, seven innings pitched, six hits, three runs, two earned. It's like Groundhog Day with him. He's gone five innings in all of his starts this season. It's another quality start. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Look, we do have a clip. Yes. is Is it too soon to throw to it? No, yeah. let's do it now. Lance, let's, because I know yeah. you wanted Lance. This is this is Alec Manoa after the game last night. Lance, play the clip, please. Attack the zone. Uh, try and get some weak contact and just try and get some quick innings so that offense can get back out there and go score some runs. I'm going out there every game. Like, it's it's the World Series, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, just, just being able to kind of stay within myself, attack the zone, and I'm just trying to give the team the best chance that I can. Okay, now you heard something there you really liked. And let, well, let's say this about Alec Manoa, by the way. He also pitched under a warning as a result of a uh, dugout clearing incident. So what? No, but he pitched. But all I'm saying is that for a guy who basically spent before the start, the part of the game before the dugout clearing incident, he had to establish his fastball. He had to throw inside to those guys. Now you got a warning. There, there are guys who... Go, you know, okay, great. Now I'm pitching under a warning on a team that's got no bullpen for the most part. What happens if I end up hitting that, a guy and I get tossed? That's in the back of your mind. That's what. That's when you hope that umpires act like they have been there and done it before and can see big Well, this pitcher. crew didn't. Well, you give you, a warning, you, 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 you got to toss a guy. The ba- you give them the benefit of the doubt. And you, you hope they understand 
that sometimes, you know, just because you hit a guy, it's not on purpose. You know, we're listening to him talk. That's big league stuff. To to have the stuff that he has, to have the invisible the invisible fastball that he has, Savia said they just don't see it. Like last night, he, he had a little extra gear to the heat, mm-hmm. which is – 96, well, okay. 96 in the and first inning. Basically, he's pitching at that. Like, yeah. Right. Occasionally, he would hump it up when, when the moment called for it, and he had it in the tank, and he knew that he could go to it and he could get a punch out when he needed it. But it was the how we use the fastball, because the slider hadn't been there in a while. For whatever reason, he just ain't getting it out in front, and it's not tunneling long enough, and it doesn't have the break. He needs the slider to last longer and then break out of the strike zone. That's the whole point in that thing, because he's just a, he's such a giant human, and he's they have to respect the sneaky heater because he hides it. Looks to me like he runs the the arm up the back leg and it comes out of the ear and it just don't pick it up. That's the reason I've never stood in on him. But you can tell just good hitters, good heater hitters are just not picking it up. J.D. Martinez is four days late on his heater. And he's throwing it because he's reading bats. Everything just goes into him besides throwing his glove at the bunt single. <laughs> I got to be honest, I've never seen that. I've seen a lot of things and I've been in a lot of different leagues and I've been in some leagues that probably shouldn't be ever be in. And you would think I'd see something like that. I've never seen anything like yeah, that. that. So it's kind on. of funny. You live and learn from it. You don't ever do it again. He laughed it off. You could see. It's my bad. You could tell. You could read lips to when he was talking to Charlie. That yeah, that's it's my bite. bad. I'll never do it again. And what we're talking about is a, a bunt single. It was Cordero, right? Third inning? It was. And uh, Benoit. Cordero is a good player, by the way. Hmm? Cordero is a good player. He's an interesting player. He is. I don't know if he's good. He's interesting. He's... He fits in on that team. He fits in on that How's team. That? That's a good way to put it. Uh, Manoa threw his glove at uh, Bunt single, and uh, Cordero he, reached first base. If the, the glove touches the ball, it's, a, it's three bases. It's three bases if it's the glove bases. touches the ball, yeah. Just, as, as it turns out, Cordero ended up scoring on that that bad throw to second base by, by Kirk, and he ended up coming in with the first run of the game. Just knowing listening to him talk there is why I wanted Lance to play that clip is just listen to him talk will tell you that they understand what they don't have right now. He is he understands that he's one of their better pitchers. He understands that he needs to go deeper in games. And to do it, he probably can't do it with 10 or 12 punches. So to say that you're seeing him early, throw more heaters, more run on the fastball, run his side to side. And then he had the big power sinker. When he really wanted to get in there on a righty, he threw the sinker, he threw the elevated uh, four-seamer, he threw the the two-seamer. He would throw all three of those, no matter if it was a lefty or a righty. And that would tell you he wanted weak contact early in counts so he could go deeper in games. That's big league stuff, Jeff. Like that is, when you're going into a start and you know what you don't have in that bullpen, which nobody needs to tell these starters what they don't have. They know what they don't oh, they have, they and know. they need to. They know that they have a better chance of winning if that guy goes deeper in the game. And how he attacked that lineup was—it's just—it's just big league stuff. Everything that he does, man, it's just—I don't want to say it surprises you, but you, did you really expect him to be this good? Like, did you really? Did you really think? And the, now he's thinking his way through starts, which is just a whole different level now. For, for a guy who you know, look, he's a big personality. Um, you know, he, he's, he embraces the role. There's, I, I wouldn't say he's an old soul. I wouldn't put it that way, but there is a, there is a real baseball maturity to him that really surprises me that guys don't, you don't see guys 
Roy Halladay didn't have that at this point in his career. He didn't. You don't see, you see guys kind of develop that. Further to your point was he used pitch com with a runner on second base yesterday. He's been very vocal about how he doesn't like that because it keeps it, it sort of messes up the rhythm and yeah. timing between the catcher and him. Like he wants to have that where I'm standing on the mound, I'm getting the sign, I'm shaking. Like that just he, he makes says him feel like he's old school. There you go. But he is, so yeah. for him to use it would tell you just how important that game was and yeah. how important he is to this team. That's just, I don't know. It's just next level stuff. Like it's cool it, seeing it, a, it really know, it is. is. It's cool seeing a guy grow it in really front is. of you as a, as a pitcher in the American league East yeah. against the Boston Red Sox. Like it's not like the Red Sox came in here and were awful. Like they no. were in all these baseball games because their starters been better. And because their lineup has been really, really good. And for him to go out and do the things he does, just everything that he does, the way he walks around the mound, the way he just he's a presence. Talk about the the way that game wound down last night. The, uh, the, the, the Red Sox won in extra innings. But, I mean, they put that run together. Uh, they put that winning run together in a couple of walks, a hit by pitch from uh, David Phelps to J.D. Martinez, who did nothing. The series was 0 for 12 with a hit by pitch. It's the best thing J.D. Martinez did. 2 3 did. 4 was 3 for 28 in the series. Yeah. Um, so Phelps hits Martinez with the pitch. Run comes in. The Jays get a really good 2 3 2 double play. Sorry, 3 2 3 double play. It's a very off the tough play for, for a right handed throwing first baseman to catch a ball. Be able to turn his body, we're talking throw about. a strike to Kirk, run back when the runner is trying to run for Kirk to be able to lead Biggio to be able to get it in the ballpark. Like, you're just not trying to throw a, a, a strike. You're just trying to get it close. So you sort of lead him. And for Kevin Biggio to be able to find the bag, catch the ball, that was a little elevated. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy catch. It's not an easy throw for Kirk. That's an elite play. Like, that's that's an elite play for a guy that doesn't play first base all the time. You almost you get a play like that, and you almost think we're going to win the game. How about that? Uh, Alex Verdugo comes up and hits a double, and there Tim, you go. Tim Mesa. Tim Mesa, for me, just looks like he's chasing velocity. Guys who don't throw hard, I mean, he compared to, to other guys that throw in 2022, just doesn't throw hard enough, right? It's, it's He's left-handed, there's 94, relies more on movement and location. And he seems to me like at the very end of his delivery, he's trying to chase velocity. And what do you do, Jeff? You've been around baseball long enough to see pitchers. When they chase velocity, what, what goes? Location. Location. That's yeah. it. And Verdugo, who is a very hot hitter, who has made a big-time change. <laughs> like that opening up the way he does – I mean, he's basically starting with both hips facing the pitcher. That is very hard to do. You want to know why it's hard to do? It's because a lot of guys who start open like that rarely land in the same spot. So what they do, they either close themselves off too much, and now they're playing catch up with the barrel, and they got the alligator barrel. It's in and out of the strike zone, or they don't get to their landing spot that they want to basically stay in line with, and that would mean their barrel's playing catch-up, and you foul tip a lot of baseballs, and you don't hit baseballs as hard as you want to hit. So what he's doing, and he's choked up like four inches. It's – it's the, the, they both sides last night, you can tell why this is going to be a dogfight to the end. Both sides had really, 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 really good at-bats. Yeah. No, they didn't. They and, did. And both sides also have issues. Bullpen issues. Oh, it's – I mean, you know, it's not good. Kudos to – Kudos to Matt Strom, man. Like, we just talked about him a little bit on on uh, on, on Blue Jays talk after the game. Forty-one pitches. It's a lot on the road against the Jays. 
you've lost your first two games. And we know the, the Red Sox are short-staffed because of the, the vaccine. If I'm Tanner, I feel awful. Is I'm going to be honest with you. I feel awful. And, I'm, again, I'm not speak for him, and I have no idea what his medical issues is. And I'm not even going to try to figure it out. But if I'm in the American League East and I'm a big deal to a team who's trying to make the playoffs, and I know I have to go to Canada, I'd feel awful. Like, I, I, the things that he's made Alex Cora have to think his way through just to give them a chance mm-hmm. at the end of the game and for a lefty to come in and have to throw 41 pitches to you at the back end of the game. To the Jays lineup. Oh, a lefty to just, the Jays it's, lineup. It's, it's not, and he's got, nobody, he's got great stuff. But I, it's and there's nobody warming up. Like, you could, they, had a great, they had a great shot of Alex Cora in the, in, in, in the dugout, and, and it was David Bush was beside him. And, and you can see David Bush did something yeah. to Cora, and Cora just kind of, Kind Alex Cora is like not wanting to. He's peeking sometimes. He's really not wanting to watch the game because yeah. he, he knows. Like it's they were put in a position that probably they shouldn't be put in. And if you're the player, you really got to go home, look at yourself in the mirror, and go, "Is it really worth it?" Yeah. It. it uh, so so the series is over against the Red Sox for now. Um, the Jays have played well against the Red Sox this year. Kevin mm-hmm. Gossman can't lose to the Red Sox. They can't hit him. As I said, if these teams meet in the playoffs, and there is a chance, there's chance. a chance Good that they chance. meet in the playoffs. You, Kevin Gossman's going to be a, a factor in the, in the in that series, obviously. But are these teams mirror images of each you would other? Think so lineups, which lineup you taking? People that are listening to us, you know, follow along. Devers, I got to tell you, Kevin, out loud, would you take in a playoff game? We talk about balance all the time. If if Nick Pavetta is throwing against the Blue Jays and say Kevin Gosman, I'll give you that. I'd rather have Alec Manoa, but we'll give you Kevin Gosman because of the track record against the Red mm-hmm. Sox. Who are you taking? Hmm. I really like Devers Martinez. Bogarts. I do too. Balance the lineup, been there and done it before. And you can tell two strikes. Top of the order. Two strikes, man. With, with the Red Sox, yeah. how how much they battle. You look at the, the Vasquez. At, at bats last night when he got the two strikes. What they can do, let the ball travel just to foul it off, to give themselves a chance to to put a ball in play, that's a thing. So uh, you got to ask yourself. You're, you're asking me, who, what what team would you take? Lineups. Who are you taking? I would take the Red Sox. That's just me. More balance, been there, done it before. You got to be a little bit finer with what you're throwing. I'm right-handed pitcher to this lineup with the Blue Jays. I can get Bo to chase. To me. I can throw in enough to Vladdy to get him to chase to elevate. Alejandro Kirk, I pitch around him. If he's this Alejandro Kirk. Laura Scurriel Jr., does he, does he scare you in the playoffs? I'm taking the, the Red Sox. I, starting rotation. Who are you taking? I'm taking the Jays starting Okay, rotation. so. Bullpen. <laughs> Uh, You're flipping a coin and throwing it against the wall. I'll tell you about the, uh, the red. Now the Red Sox bullpen. You get Hauk and, and Whitlock are going to be in there. Then I think that tilts the balance in favor of the Red Sox. Defense. But right, right now, I couldn't put together a good bullpen out of both bullpens. Defense. Right now. Defense. I think the Jays get the edge, especially infield defense. I, I, I'd still probably take the Jays. I'd probably take the Jays lineup. But you're asking me if they meet in the playoff series. Okay, I'm, I hate to ask this, but I'm going to ask it. Managers. Playoffs matter. I mean, I'll, I'll say that's not. I, I, I think that's the, not fair. The one guy's got a one guy's got a World Series ring. The other guy hasn't. I mean, that's. I got to do with. That's not fair. I mean, Alex, obviously. But um, but because you're, you're asking me, we're basically asking. Who is the second best team in the American League East? That's uh, what you're asking, right? Yeah, I will say this, though, too. And I know we've got to take a break here because Peter Bendix, the uh, Rays GM, is going to join us. Do keep in mind that the Boston Red Sox haven't been able to hit home runs off this pitching staff. 
Rafael Devers mm-hmm. against the Blue Jays has got what one extra base hit, isn't there, or one home run? Mm-hmm. Um, the Jays know how to pitch Devers, Martinez, and Bogarts. That would give me going into a playoff series. That would give me confidence in in the Blue Jays. They they know how to pitch. They know how to so pitch. So one those day guys. it's the Red Look, Sox. They got, one Verdu- day it's the Blue they got Jays. Verdugo and, and Vasquez last night. I mean, they did. They got Verdugo and Vasquez and well and 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 Strom. David Phelps was bad. And Strom. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. The Rays are in town for the first of five games tonight. That includes a Saturday doubleheader at the Rogers Center. Peter Bendix is senior VP of Baseball Ops and general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. Tons to talk about with him. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got a pair of tickets to give away to see yes. the Jays and the Rays and on July third. I didn't get it's a Rays trivia question. Barker nailed it. I did. Which I have I mean, talk about a you, you, talk about a blind squirrel stuff. No, 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 no. because I, I do my homework. So I I know this because I looked this guy up. This guy would be good for the blue Jays. No, anyhow. Just say? Well. We will uh give away tickets for that July third game uh in the eleven o'clock hour. Dan Schulman joining us, Sergio Romo. Uh, the newest member of the Toronto Blue Jays, who, who got a look at life as a Blue Jay yesterday, barely got fitted for his uniform, and he's up three times. <laughs> yeah, stay hot. Welcome, yeah, welcome to Blair. Toronto, Sergio. We we don't we don't work our guys in carefully here, big fella. We throw you right into the right into the fire. Anyhow, we'll look forward to talking to Sergio uh, Romo, who um, is an always entertaining interview. Let's put it that way. Uh, 7.07 tonight is the first pitch at the Rogers Center as the Jays take on the Tampa Bay Rays, the first of five games. As we mentioned, that, of course, includes Saturday's doubleheader, a reminder that it's a day-night doubleheader, so it's 12.07 first pitch or 12.37 first pitch. Uh, I could look it up. Sometimes, sometime around You're afraid 12, to look it up 12, before you 12, say 07 it. 12.07 or 12.37, and the, the second game's at 6.07. So keep that in mind. Uh, keep that in mind if you're, uh, if you're, going, down, if you're going down to the ballpark. Uh, of course, the just seen the Boston Red Sox in town. We all know what's happening in the American League East standings. We we all look at them. We all look at how the New York Yankees are kind of. I mean, I don't want to say they're running away with things, but let's just say they twelve oh seven. They put some twelve oh seven. They put some room between themselves and everybody else in the division. Peter Bendix, a senior VP of baseball operations and general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, and we're very pleased that he joins us on Blair and Barker. Peter, thanks so much for taking time out. Uh, to talk to us today, uh, we really do. No problem. We appreciate your time. Um, so the Yankees have a fairly sizable lead over everybody else in this division right now. I have to tell you that. Uh, does that for a general manager does or any front office, Peter? Does when you look up and you see a gap like that early in the season, does that change? how you view your job as it relates to your team. You know, given the fact that we're in expanded playoffs, it's the first year of that, does that maybe change the tone of talks, the the pace of talks? Or is this one of those things, you know what your team is, you know what you have to do to get better, 
And now it's a matter of bridging that gap, regardless of what the Yankees or Toronto or anybody else is doing. I think is exactly what you just said. We're just concentrating on ourselves. We know life in the AL East is going to be like this every year. There's going to be three, four, five per year that are really competitive, that are really strong clubs. And we can't do anything about that. You know, we have to just take care of our own business. And if we do that and win enough games at the end of the year, we're going to be where we want to be, especially with the expanded playoffs. But even without that, it's just something we have to take care of ourselves. Peter, when you get, when you get closer to the trade deadline, is, is there certain series that would persuade you one way or the other? And the reason why I ask that is coming into this homestand for the Blue Jays, they print eight games. Like, they're on the verge, right? It was eight or nine games above 500. Whether Ross was going to sort of, I don't want to say all in, because who knows what the definition of all in for GMs is, but would do things a little stronger than he would if, say, you – finish 500 or you're six and two in those eight games. Is there certain series for certain GMs that like yourself that would persuade you one way or the other? I think you can't overreact too much to the recent games or certain series, but I do think the games within the AL East, those matter a lot. Mm -hmm. That's the opportunity that you have that where you're not only winning, but your direct rival is losing. Right. And so, you know, these five games against the Blue Jays are really important for, for both us and the Blue Jays. After that, we go to Boston, and those are going to be really important games for us and Boston. But honestly, it's, it's 162 games, and it's incredible how frequently at the end of the season you finish one game up or one game behind. And I know I don't need to tell you guys that, and, and each game really matters. Uh, Peter, you've been with the with the the race since two thousand and nine, and you know we uh, always talk about the race here, and we kind of have a running joke. And you know, we were figuring out, we were talking about the CBA talks, and both Kevin and I said, I don't know why they just don't let the race decide it, because <laughs> you know the running joke is you guys That's are all, the running joke is you guys are always you know a decade ahead of everybody else, right? I mean, the guys who brought us the opener, all this stuff. Uh, as a front office, when you guys sit around and maybe have a beer after games, do, do you guys kind of do you get a kick out of the fact that people kind of view your front office as this sort of collection of guys who've they've sort of cracked the universal code ahead of everybody else? If anything, we get a kick out of the fact that people think that one. It's entirely not true. <laughs> and I think what what we're really trying to do is the same thing as everybody else. And we have to take more risks because we don't have the resources that the other teams in our division have. And so those risks are sometimes going to lead to terrible ideas And they're sometimes going to lead to ideas that end up working. And those are the ones that stick around. But that doesn't make us smarter than anybody else. We, you know, we tried the opener because, ironically enough, it was with Sergio Romo. Mm -hmm. And Sergio Romo is good against right-handed hitters. And we were playing the Angels, and they had a bunch of right-handed hitters at the top of their lineup. And at the time, we didn't have very good starting pitching. It was born purely out of necessity and the type of thing where, you know, I think the credit goes to Kevin Cash and our staff for being willing to try it, to try something new, but it's not something that I don't think other people had thought of. We just have to be willing to take those risks. Somebody has an idea. How does it get processed and filtered to the point where it it may be enacted by, by Kevin and the coaching staff and ultimately by the players? I think that's something where we try to pride ourselves on the, the, the idea that we want the best ideas and it doesn't necessarily have to come from any one person or any person with an individual title or anything. And I think a lot of the credit for that goes to Eric Neander, our president of baseball ops, uh, who's been in that role for a while. And he kind of fosters this environment 
in which the best idea wins. And we, we are pretty open within our front office. I think we're pretty open with our coaching staff. And it's a lot of discussions, and it's a lot of thoughts and ideas that are kicked around that never really see the light of day. But I think everybody is open-minded enough where if a seemingly unusual idea comes up, people aren't necessarily going to just dismiss it out of hand. And we at least discuss it more. We discuss the pros and cons. And in a lot of cases, we're willing to just kind of try something and see how it goes, understanding that it's probably not going to work. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. We just try the next thing. Peter, let's let's dig into your to your team now, and and I always try whenever I'm when I'm looking at teams that the Blue Jays are about to face, and I and I try and put myself in spots as a hitter to think who would I not want to face that team coming into town, who would I not face and want to face and why, and I look at Shane McClanahan and and his stats and how hard he throws, but I want to ask you, where do you think he's grown the most as a starting pitcher? His poise and maturity on the mound is really really incredible and very fun to watch the fact that he now has four plus pitches that he can throw for strikes at any time and the fact that he doesn't get rattled out there he might give up a home run he might give up a swinging bunt hit anything in between and he just kind of takes a deep breath on the mound and goes back to executing pitches and i think that has really been a separator for him that he's always had great stuff and now he can consistently execute four pitches, and it's really fun to watch. Okay, the, I see the innings pitch there. Is there, you know, again, he's he's a young guy. He's 25 years old. I guess that's not young in today's age, but he does. He is a hard thrower. Is there a fine line there? Because you want to get the most out of these guys, and, and this guy being young and probably not really being here, and you mentioned the four pitches that's sort of added and trying to throw all those for strikes. Is there a worry that... You know, you might wear him out because he is a six to seven inning guy. It's sort of odd for the Rays to to want to let a guy go six or seven innings. Is there a fine line there between, man, he's really good, but we would love to see this in September and a little bit into October. Absolutely. We're always trying to keep an eye on the future in September and October and make sure that all of our guys are ready for that. And it's a really long season. It's mm-hmm. 162 games. It's, you know, spring training was shortened this year, all of that. But I think with, with Shane, he's very strong. His work ethic has been exceptional. And the fact is that we're seeing him hold his stuff deep into games. And so at this point, we're taking it start by start. And as long as he continues to show this kind of stuff and this kind of uh, endurance deep into games, we want him pitching out there as much as he possibly can. Now we're under the impression, Peter, that Kevin Kiermaier will return during during this series. Uh, I mean, he's been a constant for you know for a team that I mean, it's a team you guys aren't afraid of change. Um, I mean, you're just not for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. What is it about Kevin Kiermaier that kind of makes him that ever present for you guys? He's the heart and soul of the team in a lot of ways. He's been around, I believe, longer than any current Ray, and he just does everything on a baseball field really well, and it's somebody that we therefore value extremely highly. He is as good of a center fielder as I have ever seen. Uh, He has made some absolutely incredible catches. He's a really good base runner. He's a competitive guy at the plate. He's made some adjustments recently that have, I think, helped him at the plate as well. And he's just, he kind of is the glue guy that brings everything together. And when you have that, as well as somebody who's such a valuable performer on the field, I think that's how you you get, you know, tenure and seniority within the 
uh, within the game and especially within our organization. Peter, how have you judged so far this year with Kevin Cash? All the injuries, you know, I, I've listened to him talk. I, I love listening to him talk because he's very good at calling his team out without out actually calling them out. And the race way is they don't beat themselves. They, they catch the balls they're, they're supposed to catch. You have to go in and, and beat the race. But defensively this year, consistency maybe because of injuries. You mentioned Kiermaier. He's a big deal playing center field, run the balls down. You know, it is the launch angle thing, and you need really good outfield defense. But Kevin Cash just seems like this year he's had to maneuver around being sort of the spokesman when it comes to this is not the race way. How have you judged him this year? Oh, I think he's doing a fantastic job. I think the fact that we are we have so many rookies, so many young players, so many guys getting their first taste or first real extended time in the big leagues, I think these kind of growing pains honestly are expected. And these are these are necessary for our players to really develop into the the full versions of themselves that we think they can be. But unfortunately, there's nothing replacing major league experience. And when you have the major league experience, you're going to run into bumps in the road, no matter how good a player you are. And so Kevin's managed to navigate all of that, navigate the injuries that we've had, that every team has, navigate the number of rookies, navigate all of the trying to keep our players healthy and pitcher workload and everything that's on his plate, and still has our club in position to be competitive as we head into the second half of the season. And his daily demeanor, his leadership, the the open-mindedness, the way he asks questions, and the way that he relates to people is really incredible. Peter, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Really thanks, appreciate thanks, your Peter. time. Thanks. thanks for having me. Take care. It's Peter Bendix, a senior VP of baseball operations and general manager with the Tampa Bay Rays. Got a degree in American studies from Tufts University. It's a, I, the, Which, the the the, and the, the, the reason I mentioned that this is this this is a guy who this is a guy who's really his bio is intriguing. He's really worked his way up. I mean, he has he has really there's. There are some similarities between him and Alex Anthopoulos in terms of how they started out, you know, internships. He was, uh, Peter wrote for some baseball publications. Um, I mean, there, you know, at one point, I think Alex, Alex kind of became maybe a little more of a scout than Peter, but the Rays overhauled their front office this year mm-hmm. and gave Eric Neander sort of a more holistic uh, role within the organization and and sort of turned the actual, the, the major league, stuff over to to peter and they are um i they're just they've i mean i had a chance to have uh, three or four winter meetings ago just a, a couple of drinks with some of the guys and there's heim bloom was one of them a couple of guys who were on their race staff back then and it was just it was, i think ben nicholson smith introduced us and it was just a side of bar and it's just it's really just a really fascinating group like you can tell mm-hmm that group would get in a room. There'd be a lot of young energy that the stuff that I'm interested in is the stuff that hits the cutting room floor. Like I would like to know what idea that Ray's wouldn't use, you know, like if sure. someone comes up with something, they go, yeah, that's even too much for us. I, I, I know Kevin Cash knew what he was getting himself into whenever he took the job as the Ray's manager. But I, that was a great question. You asked Peter about how does it go from one mind to another mind and, and sell it to the manager? Because the, Kevin Cash has to be a great salesman. That's what, managing, I'll be, I'll be, that's what managing is now in 2022. Uh, yeah, but not, the way, not the way the Rays have to sell right. it. Like, they just have to sell it to, di- to differently than everybody else. Now, Rays players coming up sort of get the feel of it in the minor leagues, and they understand that you're going to have to you're gonna have to go with it. <laughs> there's, no, there's, not a ton of, there's not a ton of, you know, I don't want to. 
because it is the race way and we want to win a certain way. It's like the four-man outfield. Like, like Kevin Cash probably heard that and was like, really? I got to sell this to our players? And then to have a front office and Peter selling all the things that go into, it's going to work. I trust me, it's going to work. Like, it's, it's intriguing. Like, he's probably got the hardest job in baseball. Really. You mentioned the Rays way. And I think if, if you say to people, Tampa Bay Rays baseball, they think, okay, athletes, pitching, defense. The Rays had a lot of home runs last year. Mm-hmm. This year, pitching and defense, right? This year, going into yesterday's game, they'd allowed 46 unearned runs. That's second in the majors behind the White Sox. That's the most a Rays team has allowed before the All-Star break since 2005. Last season, they allowed, in total, 58 unearned runs. That's, and that last run, that 58 unearned runs, they didn't allow their 46th unearned run last year until their 108th game. You see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. They've made 15 errors and 10 unearned runs in their 40 wins, 29 errors, 36 unearned runs in their 33 losses. I mean, uh, they're 16th in the majors in defensive runs saved. They've been 7th or better from 2015 to 2021. The Rays catchers, Mike Zanino, great defensive catcher. They've caught 6.7% of attempted base stealers this season. That's 3 of 45, 30th in the majors. They haven't thrown a base runner out this month. Mm Mm-hmm. And yet, here, look where they are. Well, they do have a lot of moving parts. Uh, Pete Fairbanks has been a big miss out of, out of their bullpen, right? It's it's when you don't have a certain guy who can uh, not allow people to put the ball in play, which puts pressure on defenses. Uh, it's when you're having guys defensively playing out of position. Kiermaier is a giant deal to their defense. Yeah, he really you, you, you is. Have to, you have to have a great outfield defense. Look at the Blue Jays, how important it is. Why, why do they think that you keep Zimmer on the team? Plays great elite defense in center field. That's why. To keep the other team from scoring runs. because They have to run all over the place. Right, George Springer in center field. Look at all the good plays he's made mm-hmm. the last couple of games. It's a big deal to have a great outfield defense. And when you don't have the key guys on your team, your other parts of your team suffer, which is your bullpen which is your starting rotation because now they have to be a little finer yep. and you know, they have to try and not let teams put the ball in play. That's not the easiest thing to do. And now they're trying to piece it together. It's, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do. It's why it's to be an interesting series. It's, it's almost the team that hits more home runs mm-hmm. is going to win this series. These teams, five games between these teams will be intriguing because you know, we kid about the race, all kidding aside though, Rays and Jays play, they play interesting games. Stuff happens in those games. Close games, Mm -hmm. stuff happens in those games. There are always turning points when those two teams play, and usually the turning point is a play as opposed to particularly pitch. Ball not caught. Exactly. Guy not going first to third. Exactly. The number of times, you know, the number of times you look at at a Rays-Jays game, you go back and go, aha, that play wasn't made, and this play wasn't made. Uh First batter walks is going to be a big deal for the Blue Jays. Keep yep. keep the keep the Rays make them earn it. 
You know, like the Red Sox, you can tell why the Red Sox made a run at this. Like they, they battle with two strikes very hard. It's easy to get two strikes, tell you, but it's hard to put them away. Tell you what else I would do with the if I'm the Jays with the Rays as well. Given what now, Wander Franco is back and Kevin Kiermaier is back. That's going to help. But I might be putting a little, trying to put a little pressure in their defense. I like one of the things that we didn't talk about enough. The Red Sox uh, uh, trying to run a lot. No, I'm talking about the Jays. One mm-hmm. of the th- yeah, one of the things we didn't talk about a lot is how, especially in that second game. The pressure the Jays tried to put on, or tried to put on the Red Sox, have to. which was that was good to see because we said at the start of the year against the Yankees. Remember, we thought one of the things the Jays were going to do against the Yankees, and they tried to do it, and it worked to a certain degree, was to put a lot of pressure on them. It's there's a lot, there's a lot happening. I was talking to one of the Boston writers, and he said, you know, there's a lot happening with, with the Jays defensively, like when they're in the field. I mean, I'm writing a column about it, the stuff that Vladdy's, the plays he's starting to put on. You talked to Luis Rivera about that. There's a lot of stuff going on with this team defensively. There's a lot of, in addition to hitting home runs and pitching, there's just a lot of chaos that this team can you're create. Char- if you're Charlie, you can't be afraid to make outs on the bases. You cannot do that. You see Alex Cora. Alex Cora don't have all of his uh, yep. all of his weapons here. What's he do? He puts pressure. Tries to put guys in motion. Yeah, hit and run. He's going to make the other team make the place. What you do is a good team. Yep. right? You put emphasis on a team's weakness. I'm not saying the Blue Jays have weaknesses with throwing guys out, but maybe that guy standing on the mound is not very good at holding the runner at first base. Yep. So you put pressure on other parts of the game. The Blue Jays and Charlie have to do that. It gets the race. I got a pair of tickets to give away to see the Rays on July 3rd. Dan Shulman joins us. Sergio Romo as well. DM's open for Barker's Back Lake Bits. I'll have to figure out how I'm going to make that work, but we will. Maybe after Shulman, we try. That might be the thing to do. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you want to watch us on TV, we're on Sportsnet 360.